Well, hello everybody and welcome to the All Saints podcast. I'm here today with Pastor Bo Cogbill, pastor of the CREC Church in, where are you from, Bo? Well, I'm from, You're from. Texas. <laughs> I'm pastoring in Oregon City. Oregon, Oregon City. South um, of Portland. Uh, it's great to have you here and um, thank you for joining us today. What we're going to talk about today, um, I think the best way to describe it will be, you'll be listening into a conversation between two pastors talking about the complexities, the pastoral complexities raised by what are commonly referred to as mental health issues. And we, we were just talking about this beforehand. We do not have all the answers. Mm. Um, I think we probably have some thoughts. I hope there'll be useful thoughts. Uh, and especially to those of you who will uh, either now or in the future know people who are struggling with mental health issues or, or maybe even yourself this is something that you've been wrestling with uh, at the present time or in the past. Uh, but we're going to get into that first. I just want to give Bo, give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you, you are from the Fort Worth area originally, but you're not here now. Yes, uh, I am married. here now. You are here right now. <laughs> you're married, you're a family, you're a pastor. Just give us a brief sketch of the life, family, and ministry of Bo Cogbill. Yeah, so I actually met my wife at TCU. Right. Uh, in marketing class, and Go Frogs, they play, what's today, Thursday, they play Saturday against Michigan, so I don't know when this is going. Uh, maybe a little, two or three weeks time from now. Okay, yeah. so I'll either be very it'll, sad or very happy. It'll be mid-January by the yeah. time people hear this. Yeah, so they will know what I don't know right now. Right. Um, so yeah, graduated from TCU, actually uh, started following Christ just down the road here at Christ Chapel Wonderful. Bible Church. Um, we were married in 2008. Uh, we have three kids, uh, Bailey, Sydney, and Keller, um, which some people may or may not hold against me. But uh, Is Keller named after the place up the road here? No, actually. He thinks it's great when we come back to Keller because he thinks it's named after him. <laughs> uh, no, I actually named him after uh, Tim Keller, who was very influential great. Great. Uh, in my early Christian life, understanding yeah. the gospel, and he was one of my professors at uh, Westminster Dallas, uh, Redeemer Dallas, right. and so, um, but yeah, so we've been in Oregon City for four years, uh, pa helped pastor a church in Mesquite, Texas, just east of here for mm -hmm. uh, eight, nine years, yeah. um, and have been in uh, Reformation Covenant Church for four years. And you have some uh, current experience of some issues related to the subject we want to talk about today. Just tell us about your doctoral studies um, and um, uh, and the work you're doing in connection. Well, just tell us what you're up to. Well, yeah, so a little bit of it is just background. Um, I was considering pursuing a PhD in hermeneutics mm -hmm. um, and then took this call in Oregon and uh, didn't really realize how um, much counseling impacted Christ's people. Um, I had a lot of people that were seeing counselors and were, from my perspective, in need of very much, uh, very careful pastoral care, but they weren't getting it inside the church and so switched over to uh, pursue a PhD in counseling um, a few years ago and so have been working on that. And a PhD in counseling, uh, that's not the sort of subject that lots of people would have thought you could do a PhD in. Yeah, um, and um, honestly, um, I switched not necessarily because I was interested in it, but because I wanted my people to know they could come to me to talk about these right. kinds of things. There, there just seemed to be a lack of confidence. And I'm not saying that for the guys that were there. I just think mm. generally in the church at large, yeah. realizing there was a lack of confidence in pastors to be able to speak to things like anxiety and depression and postpartum and right, right. a whole host of issues that we do face as pastors. And so honestly, my switch was to try to instill some confidence mm -hmm. in them that I cared enough about these things right, right. Uh, to, to look deeply into them. So um, let's begin just thinking about the kind of situation that you might get presented with in those counseling contexts. Mm -hmm. And um, this will be the sort of thing that many of the people listening to this can certainly imagine um, a member of our congregation, they come to us 
or even if they don't come to us, they might go to somebody else. And what they present with is a cluster of experiences like um, feelings of despair, mm -hmm. feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, um, sometimes a kind of um, deep lack of motivation, mm -hmm. um, perhaps uh, unexplained uh, bouts of intense anxiety, mm -hmm. heart palpitations, or perhaps um, it's a relational, um, uh, a mother after the birth of a child um, feeling exhausted in ways that go beyond physical exhaustion, mm -hmm. not feeling particularly emotionally connected to their new child, feeling terribly guilty, feeling terribly inadequate. There's a whole cluster of um, emotional, mental, sometimes physiological symptoms. And a person in that kind of situation, they, they go to a counsellor um, and then the counsellor says, well, I mean, have you thought about going to see your doctor because maybe uh, maybe there's something they could help you with they go to the a doctor who may have maybe a mental health specialist or they might just have some experience in that and they say well you're showing the symptoms of depression mm. you're showing symptoms of anxiety you fill in a survey and, and then they say look we, we can give you a, a tablet which will help with this mm -hmm. and the the patient is very grateful thank you and they start taking antidepressant medication now that story, something like that story, must have been repeated literally hundreds of thousands, millions of times just in the last few years in this mm -hmm. country. How do you, here's a big question, how do you respond <laughs> when you, what, what sort of things would you want to throw into the mix to help us to tease apart what might be going on there? Mm. I'm not asking for a comprehensive answer, but... As you, as you reflect on that, what are some of the thoughts that come across your mind? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think, first of all, the counsel to see a medical doctor is good counsel mm -hmm. because they can measure are there actual medical problems going on. So right. heart palpitations, blood pressure, thyroid. Um, you know, there are tests to account for some of those things. And right. I think that's very important. Right. That's usually the first thing I encourage if, right. if they haven't already done it. And let me just pause there. And that might come as a surprise to some of our listeners because mm. there is a uh, there is a sense in some circles that there's a kind of tension mm. between um, the, the Christian counseling world and some of the more clinicalized settings. And there is, I think, mm -hmm. a, maybe we want to get into that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it might be really intriguing for people to know that your first advice mm -hmm. would likely include, yeah, you should go to the doctor. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned some specific things. Um, test for uh, thyroid function. Mm -hmm. Test blood pressure. Um, those are, are clinically measurable objective facts about somebody's physiology, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. The symptoms that the person came to present to you were not in that same category. Yes. So is, is there some distinction there, some difference that you think is important? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about, you know, let's say somebody's feeling anxious, heart palpitations can feel like you're anxious. Um and you want to figure out perhaps why, you know, right, right. we can help with all sorts of things. But if there is genuinely a heart condition that heart mm. medication can help yes. with, yeah. Um, yeah. maybe it's something as simple as take your heart medication and poof, these right. supposed feelings of anxiety are gone. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, if I come home and haven't eaten all day and I need a sandwich you know, because I'm feeling a little short-tempered. Right, like, right. Eat the sandwich. <laughs> so that's a fascinating... Just, just to probe that theologically, it's really intriguing because what you're suggesting, and, and this is borne out certainly by my experience of mm -hmm. um, some of the literature I've read, um, some of the advice I've received from uh, clinical specialists, and certainly some of the conversations I've had with people. If, 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 you are, if, you, if, if a person is experiencing what they feel pressured to describe as a kind of mental health mm -hmm. pathology of some kind. There are some basic physiological things we need to get in place first. Mm -hmm. Like, are you sleeping enough? 
Exactly. Uh, do you drink alcohol? If so, how much and how often? Um, caffeine. You, caffeine, right. how much are you eating? When do you eat? Oh, I never eat breakfast and I don't really feel like lunch. Well, don't be surprised if you have no capacity to regulate your mood in the afternoon right. and you're constantly flying right. off to handle it your kids because mood regulation is intensely demanding. It's, it's glucose intensive. It's That's a mental right. function which requires high level executive control. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are those basic things. And then, the, so those are things which we can manage ourselves or should be able to. Like, are you getting enough exercise? Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. But then there's the things where a, a medical professional can actually measure something about you. They strap one of those things to your arm and they say, oh, your blood pressure's 160 over 90. Right. That's a bit high. Right. Or your resting pulse rate is in the 80s or 90s. That's a bit high. Right. Now, that's not the same as the diagnostic and statistical manuals, tools for measuring mental health disorders. Do you mm-hmm. want to... Um, you have a little bit more experience of this than me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just talk us through how a diagnosis of a clinical disorder like depression would be made? Because it's not made right. by measuring those physiological uh, metrics, is right. it? Well, yes. Uh, you know, my own experience, you know, without getting too long and drawn out, is I was experiencing many physiological problems. Right. Um, went through the whole gamut of testing and uh, ultimately ended up filling out a questionnaire uh, by which the neuro the neurologist diagnosed me with manic depression um, even though they couldn't find a physiological cause right, right. for what I was going through therefore it's a mental illness right. which from in their world it's a disease model even it's it's just inexplicable right. Um, I was still experiencing the physiological symptoms. Right. But to flesh that out, it's, yeah. and I, pardon me, we, we had talked previously about your, your own experience of this and you expressed willingness to, mm. to share mm-hmm. that. I, I don't want to probe no, uh, and unnecessarily, but it's, it's kind of you to be sharing that with such candor. Um, but just to pause one second, it's not the case that the mental health professional is measuring hormone levels. Mm-hmm. And saying, oh, your, your serotonin level is low, that's why you're depressed. Right. The point is that they can't find a clinical source. Right. They can't find a physiological problem. But they still diagnose a disease purely on the basis of, well, um, you've got this symptom. Right. So it would be a little bit like, I mean, if, if somebody had um, a, a pain in their arm, if they had got clear indications of a fracture, you know, mm-hmm. you've an x-ray and there's a break in the bone, then you say, okay, well, what we, we know about the, what's happened here, you've fallen over and you've hit your arm on the edge of the curb, that's caused this bone to break. What we can do is we can treat the cause mm-hmm. um, and we can set it, put it in plaster, here's some painkillers, um, six weeks you should be fine, but you, know, you need to do some exercise to build yourself back up afterwards. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a mental equivalent of that at all. What we're saying is there's this inexplicable pain mm-hmm. And we don't know where it's coming from. It's mental pain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rather than a physical pain. But it's nonetheless intense. We don't know where it's coming from, but we do know that if you take this tablet, the pain goes away. Mm-hmm. And we would never accept that as a diagnosis from a doctor if, mm-hmm. it, if the, the, the issue was the pain in our arm. You say, well, uh, there seems to be some big problem here. Um, we don't know what it is, but just take the, take the pain. We'd think, no, 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 no. That's, that's not an acceptable way to treat something. Mm-hmm. We... We, in thinking about medicine, you're trying to find physiological causes. Mm-hmm. And this has been certainly my experience of reading some of the, the recent, especially recent medical, uh, mental health literature. People are increasingly realizing that there is a deep problem here trying to medicate um, psychological ill health mm-hmm. without probing the causes mm-hmm. and without and, and knowing in fact increasingly with some medication that whatever the medication is doing it's not addressing what we thought it was addressing the core problem right so if, if somebody shows up a, at a uh, a medical professional's office and they're just prescribed antidepressants to deal with their depression mm-hmm. you seem to be suggesting and i'd agree with you that that's not that's not an adequate approach to deal with a problem, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the adequate is a good word because 
usually by the time someone seeks medical help, right. it's because things have gotten virtually unbearable. Right, right, right. Um, and the medicine actually does alleviate some of those physiological symptoms. Right, right. You know, so the assumption, therefore, then by the psychological community is ah, it must be related to what this medicine is supposed to do. You know, so they right. they will back it up and say, well, see, we there is a physiological problem. Right. But but you'd never do that with a, a physical injury. No. Like go back to the pain in the arm thing. You wouldn't say, well, you know, we don't really have an X-ray machine here, so we can't test whether there's a broken bone. Mm-hmm. But just take neurofen, like large quantities of, of neurofen, yeah. and the pain will go away. It's right. like, nah, I'm not really, I'm not really sure that's going to help in the long term. Right. Um, so, what, you know, what you're touching on. This is the the situation I'm trying to think through myself. Okay, mm-hmm. pastorally, how do we deal with this responsibly? Um, it, it seems clear that in recent years, the rates of diagnoses mm. of mental health disorders, depression, anxiety, even schizophrenia, other things, have gone through the roof, and, and partic- particularly um, young people, depression and anxiety, s- since 2010, 2012, 2014, mm-hmm. among college-age kids, mm-hmm. rates of um, self-reported um, clinical disorders of that kind of skyrocketed um and that makes us somewhat suspicious mm-hmm. but here's the problem rates of suicide as a consequence have also gone through the roof and whatever you say about the causes maybe there's misunderstanding maybe people are not thinking in the right kind of way about mental health issues uh if, if we could give somebody a tablet that would at least buy us some time so mm-hmm. we can help them to deal with what is causing the suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be a good idea? Yeah, I mean, my initially when they wanted to prescribe medication for me, <clears throat> I was very hesitant. Um, there was a shame associated with it, you know, to your point. I, sure. I, like, oh, well, that's for college girls that can't handle the final exam right, season, right, you right. know, or I should just repent. Um, the neurologist I was seeing was a Muslim and kind of explained to me that that this isn't going to fix you, but this might clear the fog for you. Right, right. Um, And my my regular doctor, likewise not a Christian, and she said the same thing. She said, this isn't going to fix what's wrong. You're in this situation. You're feeling the things that you're feeling. You're experiencing what you're experiencing. And I don't know what it is, but you need to deal with it. Right, and... And what this is doing is giving you... Clarity. It's a, eating the sandwich. Right. It's it's giving you a space to breathe so right. that you can look at your life and try and figure out, okay, well, what is not going right here, which which could be causing or contributing to part mm-hmm. of the picture that's causing my symptoms, which have been labeled as depression. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So what that suggests then is... I mean, first up, it sounds like you had some great physicians. Oh yeah, right? yeah I was, the Lord is quite gracious. Who 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 realized both the potential. I mean, let's not exaggerate, but in some cases, they could be life saving effects mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the treatments they could offer, whilst also realizing there's the severe limitations, and they're they're placing the ball back in your court right. effectively. Yeah, to, they were intellectually honest with in right. their own field to say. Yeah. We don't know why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. This will help you for a while. I mean, they put a label on it, right? Right. Um, but don't be don't be conned into thinking that because we've put a label on it, you now understand. Can it. fix this isn't going to fix right. you. Right. You know? So so and again, I'm happy to talk about your own experience if you if you're happy to. But this is such a generalized problem in the in the, mm-hmm. the world around us. This could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Somebody has received this diagnosis. They, they've, okay, they've been given a, a course of several months of, of treatment, pharmacological treatment. But they've also been told, look, this is, this is buying you some time mm-hmm. to, to address what might be wrong here. Mm-hmm. Also, now walk us through some of the things that you think ought to be on the bucket list of mm-hmm. items to talk about they go to their pastor suppose mm-hmm. they go to the pastor they come to you and they say hey pastor cogbill 
um, just want you to know, I went, went to the doctor, they gave me this course of uh, antidepressants. I, I've actually been feeling a lot better, um, less uh, miserable blackness in the morning, less, a lower, less hopelessness. Mm, mm-hmm. But they also said that this wasn't going to fix me and there, will be, there must be things going on or there might be things in my mind and my life which I needed to address. What should I do? Yeah, I mean, that's a really hard question to answer without that person in front of you right, and right. knowing their situation. I do think one of the downsides, if we can call it that, of the clarity is that sometimes when you're not hurting, it isn't as clear to you why you were hurting. Mm. Um, so sometimes the pain is actually more helpful to be able to dive into some of those right. things. Um because it, it gives you, it's like physical pain in the exactly. sense. Exactly, you can. It is my forearm. Yeah, it's my forearm, and, and I hit it into this tree. It's the left forearm. <laughs> right, 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 right. And 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 it's in, it, insofar as some of these mental ill health um, pathologies may be caused by chronic behaviors or ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. That's like you're constantly banging your arm against something mm-hmm. as a mental equivalent. But if it doesn't a, hurt anymore. Right. But if you've taken I don't need to stop banging right. it against this tree. Precisely. So so what 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 we need to do is to identify, okay, what is the thing that you're doing that is the mental equivalent of banging your head against a brick wall. Right. Um so we can address that behavior. Right. And and just to go back half a step Let's imagine that somebody came to you and they said... I was and that doesn't mean I'm telling them to get off their medicine. Right. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Uh, because, again, I mean, you've highlighted very helpfully the, the issue of this is, this is a conversation with this particular person. Mm-hmm. There is a personal perspective on this, which mm-hmm. is really important. But if somebody had come to you beforehand, and let's, let's take a, a more representative example. They're not suicidal. They've not been suicidal. They have a feeling of, at times, hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they feel tearful for no reason. Mm-hmm. They feel physically exhausted. Um, first thing in the morning, they feel um, it's very hard to get out of bed and they feel deeply unmotivated. And mm-hmm. as the day wears on, it feels a bit better. Mm-hmm. It's a very common set of symptoms. Very much. Um, are there things that you try first before saying go to your doctor and get SSRIs? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just so situational. Mm. You know, I try to figure out who is God to them. Mm. You know, how how do they perceive him to be thinking about them and their life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, quite often, there is a disconnect between... I mean, this might sound overly basic but god is your father who loves you mm. i mean yeah he's not the tyrant before whom you are permanently inadequate yeah and i i it for yeah. me you know i think packer's work and knowing god is very helpful in that regard but it's been quite shocking for, to counsel christians that have been christians their whole life mm. and that's astounding to them to begin thinking of God to, to, to hear fundamentally somebody, as father. Yeah. To hear somebody say to them, God loves you. He's not permanently yeah. displeased. Right. Right. Um, and, and in a few minutes, I want to get to this issue of the emotional correlate of that, because what that scripture portrays a whole range of emotions as sure. actually normal. Mm-hmm. Let's come to that in a second. But I, I guess I want to say, look, if we're able to think of mental, health or ill health on a spectrum mm-hmm. i absolutely want to say yeah we understand so little about human neural functioning its relationship to the body its relationship to history and environment yeah. i don't want to stake somebody's well-being much less their life on my or anybody else's abilities as a counselor if, mm-hmm. if there is on this spectrum there are some people on the right hand end of the distribution where um I'd, I'd like them to get pharmacological help before they do something that half an hour previously would have been unthinkable even to them. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people's swings are so unpredictable and so violent that they can hurt themselves or others. Right. But I guess I'd like to say to most people, listen, let's try everything else first. Sure. Like, well, side effects are a thing, right? right. I mean, that, that's one of the things that people I don't think 
yeah, spend a lot of time on. Is, so there's a there's a cost to the pharmacological. Yes, I mean I've I've met with folks for long periods of time and over time to find out wow they're on three medications because what right. started off as this is supposed to help you with suicidal ideations six weeks postpartum also comes with insomnia right. so and then they have to yeah. take some sleep medicine that surprise surprise one of the side effects is suicidal ideations and then you know so even just presenting somebody yeah. with something so basic as here's a list of potential side effects yes. so even what you're feeling right now yeah. physiologically might be induced not spiritually, but physiologically, yes. by the thing you're getting to help with yes. the physiological problem. <laughs> and so, so what that does then, that, that's going to incline you to really give everything else the best shot. Yeah, that's so, right. So gen, genuinely, if you're sleeping four and a half hours a night, um, you're eating junk food, you're not getting any exercise, um, and you're working 16-hour days, and you haven't been for a walk with your kids mm -hmm. in six months, right? Let's really work on those things. Mm -hmm. Not for two weeks or two months. months but right. let's, let's – because these pharmacological interventions, blessed mercy though they may be, bring with them potential, mm -hmm. either side effects in the short term or the heck of a job getting off them in the longer term. Mm -hmm. So if, if, we can, if we can find a way of adjusting the aspects of your life that you have control over mm -hmm. with appropriate self-discipline, Let's try that first. And mm -hmm. it might not fix everything. It, it might take three steps in a good direction mm -hmm. and leave us with a, a smaller or less severe set of problems. Mm -hmm. And theologically speaking, what's happening here is we're saying to people, okay, we are made to function in a certain way, to have a certain set of relationships with other people, a certain set of relationships to our work, mm -hmm. to the world around us. Um, we're supposed to rest a certain amount and work a certain amount. And... Uh, we're supposed to eat uh, not McDonald's all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a whole bunch of contributing features to a life which is well-ordered. That's right. So let's really throw ourselves into, um, let's get a sleep plan. Let's get a work plan. Let's figure out when you're going to spend time in the evenings with your wife or your husband and your mm -hmm. children. Um, are you in worship every Lord's Day? Um, how are your Bible reading habits? That's right. um, let's think. Meditation. Let's think right. about just the obvious sins that fill people's minds. Bitterness. If, yeah, lack of forgiveness. Bitterness, lack of forgiveness. Um, are you addicted to pornography? Yes. And if, False standards. Right. Yeah. The judging yourself by an unbiblical standard and feeling terrible because you're a permanent failure. Right. Or, probably very common in some instances, you've just had your first baby three months ago and you haven't slept for the last six months because the last right. three months of pregnancy were, you know, permanently, you know, throwing up the food you just eaten because the baby's kind of forcing all that. Right? If, if you're feeling a little bit, you know, miserable at that point, that's not because you have a mental health problem. It's right. because you haven't slept for six months, you that's know, right. that's or right. you haven't slept properly for six months. Right. So it just strikes me that our, our lives sometimes get away from us. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we don't have... We're not living in an environment where the environment itself imposes healthy rhythms mm -hmm. on us mm -hmm. of rest and work and sleep and exercise and relationships and worship and uh, and eating and drinking but not drinking that too much and we, because the environment doesn't impose those on us rather the environment now facilitates almost as kind of self abuse mm -hmm. too much alcohol too much caffeine too little sleep too much work always on call, whatever it is. Let, if we can get hold of that first, we might find actually, firstly, that we remove the need for some of the, or a lot of the pharmacological intervention. Mm -hmm. Secondly, back to your point, we deal with um, issues that we would not otherwise have uncovered. Mm -hmm. If, if, if let's imagine just for a second that it all boiled down to porn addiction mm -hmm. and the misery that a young man or a young woman was feeling was because of that, mm -hmm. actually. And you medicate the misery away. You've hurt them. You've not done them any favors. As a pastor. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is the thing that strikes me as such a, a delicate balance to strike. 
where we want to say, praise God for these sledgehammer interventions, really, mm-hmm. um, SSRIs and other medications. But you do not want to take a sledgehammer to something fragile. Well, and yeah, and usually by the time, again, that somebody has gotten to the point of wanting to be on meds, mm. it's not because one thing has gotten off. Right, so the, yeah. the guy who's looking at pornography, he probably doesn't, at least I haven't seen this to be the case yet, he doesn't fundamentally have a pornography problem. He has a laziness problem. He has a spiritual discipline problem. Mm-hmm. He has a lack of fear of the Lord problem. He has, I mean, he has lots of problems. Right. Pornography sure. happens to be the manifestation of yeah. his particular bent, and then the guilt that he feels from that, he feels it because of pornography, when he should actually probably feel it because of 800 other things yeah. that he's doing. And, and what's happening is our modern world places that source of temptation within such easy reach. In another but he's world, been lazy for six yeah, weeks yeah, and yeah. hasn't gone to church or read his Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And he should feel guilty about that. Yeah, he should feel guilty about that. Yeah, and the way to right. deal with it is not by taking a medicine that will stop you feeling guilty. Or go look at pornography so you don't right. have to think about it for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. repent. You yeah. know. So it, it feels like we're in the process here of, of recommending really, really sharp-edged medicine, but of different kinds. Mm-hmm. In, in some cases, yeah, get, get your daughter straight to the hospital because That's we right. don't want her attempting suicide again. Right. Let's get this under some kind of control and praise God for the pharmacological interventions. Yeah. But in other cases, it's like, no, you don't get to go to a doctor. You get to go and apologize to your wife yes. right now, and then you come back to me tomorrow morning, and then we're going to talk about how we're going to deal with this issue. Yeah, and I and, think and that's not compromising on either of those. Right. Groups. Yeah, because you'll see on you know, on the one hand, these mental illnesses, a guy will hide behind them. Right, right. And this explains why I do what I do. Right. Well no it doesn't. Yeah. Actually. It's giving you a out. The label is an excuse because it's been clinicalized. Right. right. Or the lady who feels shame. Because she's been diagnosed with, and she shouldn't feel shame. You know, so yeah. you've got the one hand, this yeah. diagnosis allows a guy who should, or woman, who should be ashamed to not feel that way, mm. and simultaneously crushing with yes. shame somebody who absolutely shouldn't feel it. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're dealing without any sort of biblical standard. And so sometimes the, the person who feels the worst needs to be told, it's actually okay, you feel bad, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. What do you mean? I, I haven't felt connected to my baby for six yeah. weeks. Yeah. It's like, well, but this kid's been making you miserable for a year and a half. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing in the Bible that says, thou yeah. shalt feel intimately connected to thy child within you know, X yeah. number of weeks. Like, and we have the kind of picture postcard vision. We've romanticized, yeah. in our circles especially. We, yeah. I mean, I, we love children. They're right. a blessing. They're, you know... Um, but I think the romantic. I'm from Texas, so I can't. I can't speak good words. <laughs> you speak very uh, good words. Yes. Yeah, um, but, but I think you. But you they've romanticized yeah. something that the Bible doesn't yeah. speak to. It's painful. It's and painful. I, I, I kind of want the, the the picture I heard. I don't want this is the issue of them biblical emotions. I want to get to because we were talking about mm-hmm. this earlier. You had such a lot of really good things to say, but the example I came across was it was a psychiatrist. Um, saying, look, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm, I'm, I think I'm depressed, and it turns out they've just lost their job, their wife has been diagnosed with cancer, their father-in-law has just died, one of their children has got really sick, um, and it's like, mate, you're, you're not That's depressed. You're, right, what's happened is that there are well-defined circumstances right. in your life which are right. weighing on you really heavily. And they should, because they're evidence of a broken world. Right, and... Um, it's not that something's wrong with you for f- right. that you feel depressed. That's right. Um, we can see exactly why. Now, what you really need is someone to walk through those terribly painful circumstances with you. Mm-hmm. And it brings me to this question, which I was so struck by the richness of what you had to say when we were talking um, before this recording. And I want to try and capture some of the things you said again. Um, the the breadth of biblical emotion, mm. it is truly astonishing. Mm-hmm. Just, if, if we just take the Psalms as a compendium of Christian experience or a believing experience, 
And then as we look at the Psalms, we just look at the emotional mm-hmm. elements. You have on every scale, um, uh, every kind of emotion from the highest to the lowest form, mm-hmm. from the, the heights of joy and delight and praise and contentment surrounded by a throng of worshippers of the Lord to the depths of misery, self-loathing, bitterness, doubt, doubt. Um, my friends have become darkness mm-hmm. on your own. Mm-hmm. Your hand is heavy upon me. Right. <laughs> my God, my God, God did this why have me. you forsaken yes, me? That's right. To quote somebody, that's to right. quote two people. Um, <laughs> at least the, two. At least two. <laughs> now, you said something about what we consider to be normal emotions mm-hmm. or acceptable emotions. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. Can, can you, if I, if I remember, you, you were suggesting that we, we imagine that only a certain set of those emotions is normal or acceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's a mistake. Talk us through some of those things. Well, I'm sure whatever I said before was much better than what I was about to say. <laughs> because it, you made it sound profound, which I'm glad to have helped. Um, and I don't really know what you're talking about. Okay, but, but, but I, you know, but for me, the Psalms. You, okay, so Psalm 88. Yeah, yes. So yes. Psalm 88, it's, um, uh, it's the only lament mm-hmm. that doesn't have a happy ending. Yes. The, the last line is, my friends have become darkness. Right. And the last word in the Psalm is darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, That's my favorite Psalm in the whole Bible, by the way. Because... That makes you weird, right? You probably, that. yes. That's okay, yes. But, but your point was that there is, there is a time... Quote Solomon in Ecclesiastes, there is time for everything. Yeah, the Psalms did not make sense to me before the darkness. Um, It wasn't until I was extremely dark that I was able to pick up, well, frankly, a verse or two of the Psalms at a time and understand, wow, there's room here for these emotions. And yet... How can I feel this thing faithfully? Right. The sorrow, how do I feel the sorrow faithfully? The joy, how do I feel the joy faithfully? And I, I had never done this before, and, and I haven't done it much since, but in the throes of darkness, I would write my prayers because I couldn't even feel myself utter them out loud. And so many of my prayers was, I don't feel what he's feeling. Huh. I do feel what he's feeling. And help me feel what he's feeling or thank you that I've seen somebody who's feeling what I, you know, so there was that interaction that the psalmist gives us that allows us to feel well. And I don't mean feel good. (laughs) I mean, feel this thing that I'm feeling in a way that's faithful to the Lord and is shaping my feelings so that I can feel better. So the, the way you put that is, I'm never going to forget this, Bo. Um, when you said feel better or feel well, mm. you're not talking about, oh, I feel happy again now. Right. You're talking about feeling the feeling of, let's say, um, despair. Tearfulness, tearfulness or despair. Yeah, right. um, or, well, I was looking at Ecclesiastes 3, that was the sound of me scurrying across the room. Um, weeping mm. and mourning. There's mm-hmm. a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And you're talking about there is a way to weep well. Mm-hmm. There is a way to feel so sad that all you can do is to sit on the ground in the dust and cry. And, you and can't God even... is okay with that. And, and there's a way to do that that's a really good way to do that's that. That's right. Yeah, I mean, if, if Jesus, one of the things that we think about, when, especially at Christmas, or maybe not especially for you joyful Brits, but... <laughs> Us melancholy Texans who are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, where it's gray. Yeah, um, we, have blue, a, we had blue skies in Christmas. Yeah, Day. That, I know. Day. I was here. It was great. All right. <laughs> uh, he's a man of sorrows. Yeah, that doesn't displease the Lord. It doesn't displease his Father that he's a man of sorrows. That is remarkable, isn't it? Because Isaiah fifty-three. He's appropriately sorrowful and, and afflicted by grief. Yeah, and for it to hit home, that it's there's a way for you to be described as a man of sorrows. Yes. And to do that's it well. a reflection of the Christ into whose image we're being conformed. Right. So so just just go go back to that scenario then where you have somebody who comes, you know, 
hey, Pastor Jeffrey, I'd love to meet up and chat about you. There's something on my mind. And um, we meet up, he comes into my study, and we're sitting down, he's saying, I just feel overwhelmed with sorrow and sadness. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is, among the possibilities is that this is a, a gift that God has given you for this time to carry in a particularly intense emotional way the, the sorrowfulness that's appropriate to mm -hmm. a godly man living in a fallen world. That's right. And there's no reason for this. Mm -hmm. Um, we might pray that it ends because it's not a nice feeling. Mm -hmm. We might pray that it doesn't cripple you and make you unable to fulfill your other responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Which he's actually not allowed to, right? He's not allowed to let his sorrows right? keep him from faithfulness. So, so, so that's, we, I'd have to rephrase that then. I'd have to say, so I, I exhort you not to allow this sorrow to stop you from getting, loving your wife. From, from loving your wife, from getting from going to work from um, hugging your children because when your two-year-old daughter comes to you when you come home from work that's a time to embrace that's right not a time to refrain from embracing that's right um and you might just find that's your deliverance right <laughs> faithfulness yeah, yeah and and like our city and that's one of the possibilities now another possibility right. is you're addicted to porn or you're having an affair or you have some neurological imbalance or you have low T you're 49 years old or whatever and your T's low. <laughs> or you've not had any exercise for two yeah, years 60 pounds overweight and you eat hamburgers right. three times a day right um, that's and, why it's so hard to answer the question in right. a vacuum so what we're, what we're really trying to do in this framework then is to place um, some alternative diagnostic possibilities on the mm -hmm. table mm -hmm. so not so that people can diagnose themselves mm -hmm. although they might, this might help them not to leap to a preferred self-diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Actually, helping people to not diagnose themselves might be a good thing because it's like, you should consider this possibility too. But we're, we're broadening our portfolio of possibilities to include biblical expressions of emotions that are painful to feel. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be the one right now who's feeling the joy and zeal of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting and, and to yet, me the apostles are able yeah. to count, uh, count it joy that they were found worthy to suffer. Mm. Yes. That's a lost feeling. Yes. You know, yes. we, if we're suffering, it's because God must be upset with us. Or we have such a superficial view of that, we're, don't we? We've bought into some of the health wealth stuff, yeah, even yeah, in Reformed yeah. circles. And, and, the, and it takes that form, in, it takes a negative form in Reformed circles, I think. I don't think any of us think, oh... If if I am faithful, God will make me wealthy. Right. But sometimes we think if I'm miserable, it must be because sad. God is displeased with me. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm displeasing God in my sadness. Yes. I mean, I I had a woman one time. Her life was just. She's in her forties, and and the things that this woman had been through mm. were unspeakable, and she was sort of having to wrestle through some of them, and and was weeping because she didn't know what to tell her kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was just really sad. Yeah, yeah. And she felt like she was failing her family because of how sad she was feeling. And she wasn't. She was She was doing all the things, right? Right. And I told her, you don't have to explain anything. Mm. You're just sad. Like, <laughs> they know the things that you've been through, mm. and you're feeling the weight and the sadness of them. Yes, yes. And she's like, wait, so I don't have to have some answer. It's like mm. absolutely not, you know. Like you're sad, and she just wept because, yeah, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe people had told her this before. I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, in that moment, mm. the idea that God can still be happy with her and love her mm. while she's sad was groundbreaking for her. Yes. You know, and yes. I, and and that was for me too in the darkness. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until I was in those dark moments that. The Lord really did become more real, I think, mm. and His love did become more real, um, and and I think that's what pastors we can give to people that mm. the secularists and the psychologists can't and the do. pills can't yeah. do. And I think this conversation is is so illuminating, I think, because it crystallizes so many of the things that you've said and that we talked about before. 
and I guess thoughts I've had over the years in trying to counsel people to, to bring them all together or to start trying to mm-hmm. bring them together, it crystallizes the fact that as pastors and, and as Christians, actually, we have to wrestle with the possibility of a much broader range of possible factors that lie behind our emotional life. Mm-hmm. And really what we're trying to deal with here is you know, how, how do we emote Mm-hmm. rightly right and the solution is not whenever there is a negative emotion take a pill that's right but neither is it to say no, don't take any pills that's a kind of superficial black right. and white thinking right. it's just w- what we're uncovering here is a whole cluster of different possibilities and every single one of them needs to be taken really seriously right. so sin yeah or um just the things like Suffering. exercise food yeah um, we're body rest, soul right or um, pain arising from adverse circumstances right or just it's not explicable you're just going through a time of sorrow now because in, the lord in his goodness has decided to glorify himself by having a faithful sorrowful man right and n- none of that appears in dsm-5 right you know the diagnostic and statistical manual that sits on every psychiatrist's shelf well yeah and i mean take the emotion of anger you know, if anger is the response to a perceived injustice, my feeling of anger could have infinite descriptive yeah. <laughs> underlying reasons. Yes. You know, if it's a perceived injustice, well, is that an accurate perception? Yes. yes. You know, maybe not. If yes. it's not, well, then I need to work on that. Yes, yes. Have I really, has somebody done something to my wife or my child and I'm angry? Mm. That's an actual injustice where anger might be wholly appropriate. But how do I respond with the anger that I do have that is appropriate? You know, so it's much more complicated, I think. um, And it is so individualized that I think pastors, that we have to be very careful um, in how we care for our people such that we don't give them a reason for the lack of confidence that they already have in us. Right. Um, Right. And if we don't know how to feel well, if we don't... Uh, identify with the suffering savior if we don't know the psalms as our songs how are we going to give soul care to the people under us give people opportunities to experience and express negative emotion that's it's fascinating pastor neil um just gave me today today is um uh thursday Thursday the 29th, I don't know what that is, Thursday the 29th of December as we're recording this, Pastor Neil gave me just earlier today um, last year's uh, order of worship for our Mm. annual prayer uh, evening for um, in the memory of Roe v. Wade. Mm. So for for many years as a church here at All Saints, we've prayed in January at some point on or around the the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Um, An evening of prayer repentance and renewal mm-hmm. and obviously it's going to take a slightly different shape this time now mm-hmm. because of dogs there's still work to do but what's fascinating about it is that well there's lots of things that are fascinating but in this context one way of framing it is we're providing an opportunity for people to experience grief and anger mm-hmm. and resolute commitment to repentance mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. It's right to be grieved and furiously angry, but to do so in a, an appropriately biblically proportioned That's way. Right. And how do we do that? Well, there are psalms of imprecation for that. We preached through the um, psalms of imprecation for Advent last year. Well, And people were like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you think people were waiting on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Messiah. You know, yeah. They were praying out on a godless nation for yes. coming yes. against them. And I, I would venture... Funerals as well. Funerals, yeah, when Jesus rages at Lazarus's tomb, he wasn't sinning. No. And I I think in in many cases, if you're not sorrowful, if you're not angry, your love might be just as disordered as somebody who's really nice all the time. Yes, and so we've talked about this in one or two contexts, particularly going through Ecclesiastes in Wednesday night Bible study. Um, the, The terrible understandable but ruinous temptation to recast a funeral as a celebration of life that's crazy so please stop it right just let them cry right it's and and it's it's a wonderful it's all there's something cathartic potentially mm-hmm. about that to, to go through the valley of the shadow with we're, we're teleological creatures mm-hmm. you've lost a, a loved one maybe imagine the horrible situations of losing a 
really close relative, a child, parents mm-hmm. have thought. Um, and to try and deal with that by encouraging them to not feel sad. Right. Now, you want, you want to... We, we want our congregations well. to know how to feel bad well. Right. How to feel so struck by grief that they can hardly raise their heads and to do so well, faithfully. faithfully. Yeah, we were visiting my wife's um, grandmother just yesterday. Wonderful, delightful lady, mm. as long as I've known her. Very cheerful, bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. She has Alzheimer's. She didn't know who my, my kids were. She was just weeping. It would have been strange for me not to tear up, (laughs) at least on the inside, you know, because there was something very, very wrong Mm. right then in that moment. My wife had was facing a loss. Yeah. And if I love my wife, which I do, and I love her grandmother, which I do, for me to not feel sorrow in that moment. Yeah. That's something wrong with me, Mm. you know. Um, and and if my wife is sad for the next several days, I'm not going to think something's wrong with her. Yes, I'm yes. going to think she just encountered sadness. Yeah, and that's okay. Mm. You know. So I'm I'm trying to think where where do we go from here? I, I'm conscious your time is pressing on. Um, the afternoon is pressing on here. There's so much here to think about, and I want to try and um, to the extent that it's right and possible to do so to bring it in for some kind of landing. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say that what we're trying to do, first, what we're trying to do, not just as pastors, but for all of us as Christians, is to um, take our cue from the reality of mental health diagnoses to explore the full range of emotional life Mm -hmm. and not allow it to be reduced to just a diagnosis of depression or a diagnosis yeah. of anxiety or, or anything else. That's the first thing. Now we're recognizing at some level that there are, there is an appropriateness to clinical intervention in some cases and mm-hmm. thank God for that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, whilst recognizing that what we want to encourage people to do is really honestly to face the reality of the complex other possibilities Mm -hmm. and it's these complex other possibilities that we've been teasing apart and again just at risk of summarizing too briefly uh, sin painful circumstances um, kind of misdirected and drifting life um, spiritual uh, disciplines physical disciplines yeah, yeah all those things which are kind of related to each other different perspectives on each other um uh, as well as just the possibility of an intrinsically inexplicable mm-hmm. set of emotions. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to encourage people to do is to, to not leap to the conclusion that we, that it's whichever one of those seems most appealing. or Probably all of them. It could, could be all, yeah. or it could be some set of them. My fear sometimes is that we live in a world that prizes victimhood so highly mm-hmm. that people feel that they almost need to be a victim to be special and to be valuable. So mm-hmm. if I can have a mental health disorder, I mean, it's it's so insulting to those who actually have mm-hmm. such serious issues that do need medical treatment. Mm-hmm. For Isn't it much wiser to, to wrestle with the possibility that the Lord is doing something mm-hmm. in us, mm-hmm. calling to our attention, aspects of our lives that aren't as they ought to be, um, exposing us to circumstances where there is a, a wise way through. And if we're able to approach those circumstances in a mature way, it, we will look back and say, there are things to thank God for here. Mm-hmm. All of these possibilities give us a much more textured and deep um, way of viewing our emotional landscape. And mm-hmm. the price tag is simply this. Is very hard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you had said earlier something about the time nature of it. Yeah, one of the ways that I try to help some people think about it is, if you weigh four hundred pounds, and you feel like you should go run a marathon, you're not going to do it tomorrow. Right, right. It's taken probably years and years and years for you to get to this level of misery physically, mm-hmm. and for you to get to that point where you are functioning healthily. 
Yeah. That's going to take you a long time and almost your entire life is going to have to change. Yeah. We so the think, mental part of that. Yeah, we think spiritually, well, I should just repent and it'll be better. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you may be decades in the making here. You may be spiritually 400 pounds and therefore need months and months and months of faithfulness in little mm-hmm. bitty incremental ways, you know, spiritually walk to the mailbox, spiritually walk to the stop sign and back. And yeah. you're going to be, exa- that's going to feel exhausting yes. to you because you you've never done it. You could easily feel this inadequate. This doesn't work. Yeah. It this doesn't, doesn't work. work. Or I look, you could easily feel inadequate because as you walk to the mailbox and back, somebody else sprints around that's the block. Right, on the th- that's right. I, I received a fascinating and lovely card from a, a member of the congregation here just a, a day or two ago. And it, it has a lovely little paragraph in it. And one of the things that it says is, God makes beautiful things gradually and patiently. Amen. And I just thought that is that is such a a deeply insightful thought because mm. it's it's true in relation to lots of um, the crafts, the paintings. I'm mm-hmm. painting on the wall there. That took a while for somebody to paint. Well, glory comes through the grave. Yeah, and, and it takes a long time. <laughs> right. Um, Wine takes a long time to make. Um, it takes a long time for God to forge Christ-like character. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to take seriously uh, calling as Christians, we have to be ready to embrace the long and painful mm-hmm. process of enduring that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this conversation has been really and it's helpful still for hard. me. Yeah. It's it's painful, and and in the in the moment when it's painful, you'll feel like it's all going wrong. That's right. Like when you feel exhausted at the end of a five k run or something. Right. Well, that's just what you feel like. Right. <laughs> that could be the best thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's that's when your when your muscles are at their weakest, they hurt the worst. Yeah, but yeah. they need that to be able to be right. rebuilt. And it's interesting. You've come back a number of times to this analogy between the, the physical and the emotional and spiritual, and uh, I. I th- there's a whole another podcast which we won't do <laughs> right, here, right. but the psychosomatic soul exactly. and body That's character. Right. This is here's a trailer where I'd like to go next. Um, the philosophy of mind is mm. starting to move up people's agenda, even in the secular world. That's it has right. been for a while. Sam Harris, Thomas Nagel, whole cavalcade of really great secular thinkers, unable at all to understand what the mind is. And the one thing that I keep wanting to shout at the radio or the podcast platform when I'm listening to people talk about this stuff is we're not just a mind. Mm-hmm. We're a mind in a body. Mm-hmm. And uh, even... And for them, a brain. Yes. The brain and the mind are different. <laughs> and, and I want to say, isn't it the case that what we're trying to get is well-ordered lives? And act- it's no surprise then that the way that we live in the world, the way we walk, the way we eat, the way we greet one another, the way we stand, sit, kneel, raise hands, pray, sing in worship, all these things shape our hearts, mm-hmm. minds, mm-hmm. souls. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a whole, we shouldn't go down that rabbit trail, <laughs> Pastor Cogbill, or we will be here all, all night. Um, I've had as much of your time as I have any right to expect and more than you probably anticipated giving. No, it's um, been a delight. A, a, any final, you, you've got the, a number of folks at the congregation at All Saints will have endured mm. to this point um apart from greetings from and from us to the saints at the, your church in oregon city any final words for us go frogs <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's something to do with baseball close tcu football tcu football. yeah they're playing right. michigan on saturday if i didn't mention that you did mention. Okay. All right. Um, Pastor Cogwell, thank I you like for joining us. I like your purple shirt, by the way. Yeah, I got this one. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's, so it's not. Wear, it's, wear it on Saturday, just in case. It's not that it kind of purple, though, is it? Yeah, it's close um, I, this has been a blessing to me. It's been lovely to catch up with you again. I think this is probably the third time we've met or second time we met at Presbytery, I think. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, next time you're down here, we're going to grab you again and talk about something else. That but, sounds great. Um, in the meantime, thank you for coming. Thank yeah, you for joining thank you. us. And to all the rest of those of you who are listening, if you got this far, I hope you find this helpful. Uh, I certainly have. um, And uh, I trust and pray that it will be a blessing for you perhaps to listen again to this one. This has been, I think, an unusually uh, illuminating conversation, at least from where I've been sitting. And I hope it will have been to you. And 
will bear fruit in your lives in months and years to come. The Lord bless you. Well, and if there's any, just to jump in. Sure. If anybody has any questions or anything they're struggling with or wrestling with, you can give them my information mm. or I would be glad to, to talk well, through some of these things with them. We're great. teaching them at RBI. And, right. So. Well, and, and just, just let me say a word about that. Um, so, yeah, two things. First up, I, I know there are a handful of people perhaps who listen to this podcast who don't go to All Saints. I would encourage you, please, if you, if any of this has resonated with you particularly sharply, go and talk to your pastor. Um, if you're in that position of, well, I don't really have a church, well, you need to find one. Give give us a call here mm-hmm. at All Saints. Give Pastor Cogba the call and expect the first thing we'll do is try and hook you up with a church that can mm-hmm. help you. Um, but then secondly, I mean, you mentioned RBI. Um, uh, soon, by God's grace, to morph slightly into something else. RBI is a Reformation Bible Institute. The something else is going to be a seminary of sorts, which will seek to offer pastoral training uh, for ministers and pastors and others, and much more on that in the months to come. Uh, I'm not going to spill too many of those beans. But suffice it to say that if you're a pastor or aspiring pastor, um, or just like to deepen your understanding of a biblical approach to counseling and to helping people with mental health issues, um, Bo Cogwell is a very, very good guy to talk to. And if the last hour hasn't convinced you of that, then I don't know what will. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. The Lord bless you. My pleasure. All right. And bye for now. All right.